<laughs> You're watching Infinite Spaghetti. This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker. Part of the Project Nerve Podcast Network. On today's show of Infinite Spaghetti, introducing my good friend, Anthony, and he's going to explain who he is. How's it going? Anthony Ferraro here. Right now, create sci-fi. I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. Well, you know, these days it's like content creator, social media. It's storytelling, primarily in sci-fi for me. There was student films and things like that, but, you know, being an actor, being in theater, Doing theater was kind of the way to do independent productions, as strange as that sounds, but it was, you'd put on a play in, in like an off-off-Broadway theater for like a couple hundred bucks, and then that's how you could tell your stories, right? Welcome, man and camo. Come on in. <laughs> so early on for me, like then in the middle of that, when I was just starting out, you know, you'd put on a play and then, you know, a few people would show up and then maybe the last night would be a full house, but then that's it. And then you move on, it was all that work. Filmmaking was desirable, but it was, you know, you had to be in film school and it was only 16 millimeter and it was just cost preventative. Right early on in my sort of grappling with this, the, the digital film revolution happened, right? So everybody had these Sony VX2000s and XL1s and 24P and all this stuff. And you could make a film on tape, right? So we all started making films. And I was in New York City at the time and that's actually when I met the man in camo, right? <laughs> Ethan, Ethan Minsker, he was doing the same thing. So you tend to gravitate towards people who are doing similar things. People forget now, but the 90s was, film was very, forgive me for saying this, was very sexy, right? It was like Quentin Tarantino was just coming out and like Bad Lieutenant, and like all these like 90 art house films. And it was a really cool scene. And it was like almost rock and roll, right? To, to make films at that time. So I was very much influenced by like Jim Jarmusch and like, David Lynch at that time. And I was trying to make like these artsy films, you know? They were good, but it wasn't like my authentic voice, right? And I I didn't really understand story structure. I didn't really care about the audience. I would just make these sort of character sketches and things. I moved out to Los Angeles. It occurred to me that like, all I do is watch science fiction and fantasy. It's all I read, that's all I watch. And then I'm trying to make like art films. Didn't make sense. By going to a few limited festivals that I did, people, you know, they weren't really reacting to my films the way I wanted them to. So I had to really think about that. And what I realized was that it was like I lacked story structure, had great ideas for character, great ideas for stories. But as far as like a piece of entertainment that people sit down and watch and enjoy and want to tell people about, I wasn't there. And once I started leaning into science fiction fantasy, mainly science fiction in the beginning, I would smirk at it if it didn't happen to me. Like I found my authentic voice, right? So by doing the sci-fi, it was like, oh, this is what I have to offer. And what I realized is, you know, it's all this sci-fi, fantasy, Western, anything that's genre. What I realized is personally is I want to tell story about two lovers or two brothers or two sisters that don't get along and they're losing the farm or they're, they're trying to make their lives better. But I prefer when it's framed on a spaceship instead of in an apartment or on the farm or whatever. So once I started sort of doing that, like I really got in, into creating science fiction. So I started making science fiction. What happens is then you realize you can't afford it. Desktop digital film thing happened. So that was an opportunity. 
then I'm making films and I can't get money and I can't get distribution, then web series starts happening, right? So all these things are always happening. They're always changing and you can resist them or, or you can ride them, right? So I leaned into it. So I started off with a sci-fi web series called Galactic Galaxy. If you look at that film or that series, it's very stylized because I couldn't afford science fiction, all these spaceships and locations, but I could afford to make it look like a cartoon. You're fucking kidding me with this right now. We've received word that the insurgents are refueling on Mora Prime. Mora Prime, our clone farm? Back, relax, focus, breathe. It's the Drucking Eye of Three. Like it's very stylized, but that allowed me the space to, to make something that I could afford. I took my idea, which at the time was was probably like tight, like 90 minute film, and then just broke it down episodically. And then that's what kind of got me like into the web space, content creating, right? So what you find out is, is you make these films online and then it's like, well, how do you get people to watch them? You put your content out there. So then I created a how-to channel. I realized that all I, I watched personally on YouTube was like how-to videos, right? Then I started taking my web series and my short films and I started breaking them down into all the DIY components and started making episodes about that on a channel, right? So my channel, Create Sci-Fi, half the time I'm making videos about how I make the props, how I make the costumes. Occasionally I'll go into my editing techniques or like visual effects I do it more on a DIY thing where it's like, oh, hey, you're in the editing software and you can kind of do this overlay and this will give you laser beams or or fire or, or whatever. The actual films that I make as part of that process. So then I've sort of shared with everybody how I make them. Then I've kind of built an audience around what I do. And then when I do release my films, it's not into a void, right? It's, it's into this group of people and then there has a chance to populate and to be seen in other places. If you love this, if you love doing this sort of thing, you're just presented with, well, how do I get an audience? And it's like, well, this is one way to do it. So then I pursued that. You know, none of it is easy, but you know, it has its, its moments where it is rewarding and that's where I am now, it creates i five. I'm a huge fan of Galactic Galaxy. You can actually see this film on Amazon Prime and it is amazing. And if you watch it, please write a review and let people know. But this is not the only film. There's another series, Zenith Run, and there was Erringer on Dust. So if you search his name, you're gonna come across all his titles, and I gotta tell you, they're amazing. Galactic Galaxy reminds me a lot of like the Guild and that sort of like humor, but his humor is more on point, it's more funny, it's fast. If you're familiar with one of the early popular web series was the Guild. Jeff Lewis was in that, who played Vork. And Jeff Lewis is actually in Galactic Galaxy. I wanted to make something that was irreverent, right? I wanted to make something that was funny, which is which is hard to do, but I, it, you know, it's like you got to try. So I, I wanted to give it a shot because episodic TV is such a big thing. You always hear about like the writer's room, right? So the person created it, they sort of set the tone, and then there's all these writers that work on it. And I and I live in Los Angeles, and I was thinking about that, and I was like. Wow, I'd really like to have that experience. How do you do that? You're a DIY guy. I was like, I can create a writer's room. So it's Los Angeles. I, I went on 
Craigslist. I said, I need some writers. <laughs> and it's funny, because of where I live, I actually got this guy, Charles Horn, who was actually a writer on Robot Chicken, and like wrote on the Star Wars episodes of Robot Chicken. And he was just like, yeah, I'm not doing anything that week. Like, I'll come, I'll come down. So it was really cool. So I rented a space. We had four writers. And I had the structure of the show, and I rented a place for a week. We went in like nine to five, like it was our job. And it was a really rewarding experience. So we wrote the series in that week. You just have to not be afraid to ask. And, you know, the worst thing that does happen is people say no, or these days they just ignore your message or whatever. But And it's even easier, too, because you don't call people. You just text them or what, you know. Like, I didn't call Jeff. You know, I sent him an email, whatever. So to make Galactic Galaxy, that was my first crowdfunding campaign. You have to be really aware of, like, what's going on in the, in the moment. Crowdfunding was a very, like, exciting thing. You know, everybody was doing it. And typically it ends up being friends and family, but it's a way to sort of pre-sell your film almost, right? And then I raised enough money crowdfunding to get that project made. But the thing with crowdfunding is you really can only ever do it once, right? Because it's, it's, friend, it's friends and family. And if you have a big enough audience, then you don't really need crowdfunding anyway because you're already going on to a next level. It's finding those like-minded people that, that are, are really important in, in DIY, right? <laughs> it's like do it yourself with your friends. If you go to my channel, Create Sci-Fi, all those videos, all the, the making of videos where I do props and costumes and this workshop and everything, every single one is shot on a phone camera. On my channel, you'll see short films, and there's a short film on my channel. It's like three minutes. It's called Triangulate. And I did that 100% on the iPhone. I had this actress put on the costume to do some beauty shots of it. And then I was like, hey, you know what? We're going to go do this. Let's go do a film. And I live in Los Angeles. And not too far from where I was living was this hiking trail. And in this hiking trail is the Batcave from the 70s TV show or the 60s TV show. I had my phone camera. And it was like there was people walking around hiking, sightseeing. You know, we just came up with like, here's a two-minute scenario. I think people worry too much about this desire to be the best, right? Because this is very American. If you just constantly create and you don't stifle yourself with the desire to be, it has to be the best, one of those 10 things that you create will be fucking amazing. Don't strive for perfect, strive for shit. The first thing I'm going to make is going to be a piece of garbage. The film, the costume, whatever. I'm going to make a piece of shit. But... I will also go back and fix it. And then the fixing it, the re-editing it, the looking at it, the sharing it, getting critical feedback from people, that's how you make it into, you mold it from shit into a diamond. I want it to be cinematic and very sort of almost dramatic, right? Still sci-fi, but like a, a film. Erringer shot it in anamorphic widescreen, no jokes, no spaceships flying around. Sci-fi, but not like... A, a saga was like I'm gonna write it one day I had a specific actress in mind five or six hundred dollars to make this filmed it in one day it doesn't get in any festivals but online it has like almost two million views so that was the success that was the one I'm very proud of it it's on dust dust is a great sci-fi channel on on YouTube it's kind of like if you're looking for a sci-fi short, you're going to find dust. So the film was on there. It did very well. It's also on my website. It did very well on there. Like, it has like 400,000 views on my site. It has like a million on dust. 
Zenith Run then comes after that. And on my channel, I just always say DIY, DIY, DIY. You could do it, he could do it, make it on your phone, whatever. So Zenith Run is another web series. And I specifically did Zenith Run where it was like, what's the goal of Zenith Run? I'm going to spend $0 on this, zero. Let's scroll down below this video. You can't make a film for no money. Like it's never $0. So when I make a film for no money, that means, yeah, I probably buy everybody lunch. Like, yeah, okay, so it's not technically zero, but it's like, I was in an office space, I left it, and they were like, oh, hey, your lease says two months notice, because I gave them one month's notice. And I was like, oh, man, it was just empty for one month. It's just an empty office, like, I can't not use it. So Zenith Run, I did a whole series on my channel that you can see is like, I was like, okay, this is going to be a zero budget production. I know it's going to be sci-fi, and I'm going to do it all in front of a green screen. I'm going to make cockpit chairs. So I just made like a set that was like two chairs in a spaceship. We're flying a spaceship. That's a whole set. I have two other, three other characters. Anytime other character comes in, it's like beep, boop, boop, bop. They're talking to them on the thing and they're over in their space in a chair. So that was the whole thing. You can see it all on Create Sci-Fi. It's like I made the costumes. So I just filmed the whole thing. Another barrier to entry, writing. Writing's very, very difficult. Very difficult got on board two actresses that I knew were comedic improvisation actors. So we got together one weekend and we just scripted out the series. These are the plot points of each episode. Episode one, they meet. Episode two, what's the dilemma? Episode three, monkey wrench. Episode four, oh, we got it. Episode five, maybe not. Episode six, ta-da, right? So we just kind of knew where they were going. We specifically worked into these two actresses because they had a rapport with each other, you know? I got somebody to film it for me, did it as a favor for no money. And then what you were talking about earlier about polishing, right? So then now I have that. It exists. You can really get good actors because a lot of working, talented actors, if they're making a living acting and they're professional actors, it's because they're typically, they do one thing, right? So if you find the guy who always plays the cop or the woman who's like always the judge. And then you go to those people and they're recognizable and you say like, hey, I want you to be in the science fiction thing and you're gonna be the captain of the spaceship. They're like, yes, absolutely. When do we start? I'm working on something else now. I get an email like the other day from like FilmQuest that's like, oh, Zenith Run is nominated for best costumes. Like if I was trying to be a costume designer and I needed that best costume nod, never get it oh right yeah i did I, I made the costumes for that i forgot you know i want best picture i want best director nomination you know but it's like maybe one day and what are you working on next what should we expect from your insane mind entice us so as somebody who makes science fiction primarily i for the life of me could never understand people who made fan fiction like that made no sense to me because it's like, it's so much work, right? It's like to write it, to cast it, to film it, to produce. It's like typically if you're doing something for real, for real, it's probably like a year out of your life, right? And it's like, why would you do that with, with a IP, with a property like Star Trek or Star Wars that you don't own, you can't monetize it. Like what's, what's the point? But you know, never say never, right? So COVID happens. During the beginning of lockdown, I had just gotten a 3D printer and sort of like the Mandalorian had just come out, you know? And I love, love Star Wars, right? It's kind of like a perfect storm. So I'm making all these cool props and things from the Mandalorian 
And I love Star Wars. All the best people work on that stuff. When you start deconstructing it, it's actually worth your time. So I started making all these Mandalorian props and costumes. And then it was a couple months into COVID. And I was like, wow, like work's not coming back. It's, you know, it's like, looks like hunker down. This is going to be a while, you know. I've got the helmet. And next thing I know, I'm making a full suit of Mandalorian armor. I'm like, well, the Mandalorian costume is practically head-to-toe PPE. So I'm like, so if I just have some guy in the Mandalorian costume working with another actor, then we don't have to worry about, look, because at that time it was very strict restrictions. Well, this is a way to make a film. And when I started floating out the idea, I didn't realize the power of Star Wars, right? All these like really talented people that I'm friends with that don't really have time are like, yeah, I'll do that. I'm going to write a Mandalorian-based Star Wars fan film. And it's going to be a Mandalorian ca character and like maybe two other actors, but just, and then just the cameraman and me, and we're going to do it. It's going to be all outside in the desert because it's Mandalorian, it has a, a Western vibe, but because it's not me trying to further my personal career. So out here, there's all this, it's called um, BLM land, right? So it's government land, kind of like a state park, but it's not a park. The government owns it. You can go out there and film. Don't need a permit. Just go out there and film. So we found like a desert location that was just government land. Just, I mean, you do got to be careful because that, that is where people do tend to go and shoot their guns. So it's like a little bit of a, I had to pick our days wisely. Definitely didn't do it on the weekend. But I, you know, I shot a Star Wars fan film for no money. What I learned on my channel, if I make a science fiction blaster and I'll use a squirt gun or maybe a Nerf gun, or I do that a lot on my channel, right? We'll make that and it's fun. But if I say, today on my channel, I'm going to make a Mandalorian Star Wars blaster, I probably get five times the amount of just organic people looking at that. So as a filmmaker who wants people to watch my thing, then I'm saying like, okay, I'm sharing this with you. You like this, like I like this. You're going to come and check me out. A percentage of those people will then subscribe to my channel. It's like a lifelong investment. It's like, so I'm... I'm always going to be putting out content. So those people are going to be like, oh, this guy updates, you know, a couple times a month. So it's not like I just did this one thing. So then a year from now, maybe I gained all these followers because I did the Star Wars fan film. And they're like, oh, wow, they find that. And then when I release my next film, like I'm working on another film now, Moon Terminal, I release Moon Terminal. And maybe it's very successful online because I built up all this goodwill in this audience from my Star Wars fan film. It's about the passion. So if you enjoy what you are doing, especially creatively, keep doing it. It's okay to stop when you no longer find pleasure out of it, but 
the reality is, is most of us are not making money off of this. So you have to either like it or get paid for it, right? And that's a hard thing for me to tell people because I can remember people saying that to me, you know. I always think about that cliche, best advice I give you is don't start. But I actually now understand that that's actually real. It's a lot, a lot of work. And like I said, like I used to think that was like, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. You know, that really helped me. But I do understand the sentiment now right do or die right if you're like oh it'd be fun to make a science fiction thing yeah watch a couple videos and make one science fiction thing and that's fine like if it's a lifestyle passion thing for you it's like you just need to figure out what your lane is you know and try like a lot of a lot of different things so when you're watching a show it's like he goes to the dollar store and he gets like a shampoo bottle or some like cheap plastic thing and then he shows you the process of how that's turned into a spaceship a gun and all the things you need to actually create a show, all you need to do is have a green screen, a camera, and a local dollar store. And he shows you all the ways you can create all of the elements you need to make your sci-fi film. Now, when I was a kid and I first saw Star Wars, I was like, oh man, like, you know, you try to figure out how you could make those ships and, you know, like as toys just to play with. So I really like, gotta say, like, I really love watching him build these things because then I'm, it's bringing me back to this childhood moment where like I could make these toys myself. I always believe like any chance you have to be the producer as opposed to being the consumer, be the producer. So whether you're making content for your own enjoyment for making a film or you're making toys that you can play with, it's better to go the route of creating yourself, be the producer, don't be the consumer. So Kip Ashing is sort of like the, the cool title for it, right? Probably a more proper description of it is a, a mashup. Because Kip Ashing is, is sort of traditionally like how they would make the Star Wars spaceships and how they used to do sci-fi back in the 60s and the 70s when it was real. And what that was was you would get like World War II tanks and, and airplanes and then you would take all the parts of those, you'd have like, boxes and boxes of model kits and you would start to reassemble them frankenstein them into a ship a spaceship or like you know cities and and it's greebly so greebly is like a made-up word you know all the like little gas cans or like the little control panels that are maybe like the dashboard of a tank but then you stick it on the outside of the spaceship and it's this interesting silhouette and this thing and that's that's kit bashing right so what i started doing is i would go to the dollar store when you're prop making on a budget, the the way you do it is you're like, okay, I need this phone. And, you know, it kind of looks like an egg beater or whatever. You know what I mean? So then you go to the dollar store, you find an egg beater, and then you find something else, you know, like I'll get like a, a dust mop because the handle was kind of like, why, why is that handle shaped like that? If I just take off the handle, it looks like barrel of a space gun or something, you know? And then I would stick, you stick those two things together. You mash them up, right? I started off doing it with props, where it'd be like, oh, I need a, a space gun, but this is obviously just a squirt gun. So here's the main part, the squirt gun. Let me walk through the aisles. Oh, wow, look at that kitchen helper thing that you would never use that's like this little device to, to I don't know, take the shell off an egg or, or something. You glue it on there, and you got this like, wow, that's really interesting looking, you know? So I started doing that, and then one day I was in the dollar store making props, and I was like, oh, there's all these, like, toys, you know? 
films for no money, dollar stores are, you know, I call it jokingly the sci-fi prop store. So like like this, this blaster, this handle, this thing, this is the, the handle of like a, a sweeper for dusting like your, your desk. This was my favorite one. This was definitely like the aha. This is a cake knife, dollar store, like cheap knockoff lightsaber, right? So you mash it up, like you glue two things together. <laughs> that didn't go. And then, you know, obviously painting techniques play a big role in that, which I go over in detail. Somebody. Nice. It's just like, it's two 747s, dollar Formula One, like kind of race car. These are all the engines from all these kits. And you just kind of glue them together. And then, like, this is a very basic paint job. So, you know, you learn by doing, right? So a lot of time on my channel, I didn't do, like, here's how you do a DIY kit bashing. I mean, this is two years ago. I know how to do it now. But at the time, it was like, this, I want to do this. Let's see what happens. So then it evolved spaceships out of shampoo bottles, right? This is your two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Then, like... These parts for model kits, then I start collecting model kit parts. These are in Zenith Run. I can go in the computer and make really cool 3D spaceships that look real. If I came out with this in 1990 and just made this out of soap shampoo bottles and flew them by, everybody would be like, oh, that's horrible. But now because people know that I can do a pristine, super cool 3D spaceship, when they see this, they know that I chose to do this. This was an artistic choice. Like sci-fi for no budget, make it campy. People will forgive anything. Man, this was fun to make. They really appreciate that it's handmade. There's been a real interest in my channel on the kit bashing, and people really, like you never know, like you just put stuff out there just because this is what I'm doing this week, but people really like these. It just occurred to me now that I'm preaching to the choir because I don't know if, if people have seen of you shared, like, you know, I think in your apartment in New York, there's a whole entire paper mache city. But if you were to take those buildings and be like, I'm doing a monster movie. And with this, there's like limitations and the limitations is what I appreciate. Me and Ethan were always encouraging people to just do it themselves. It's like the first time I did it, look at that paint job compared to this paint job. Two years later, when I'm painting the Mandalorian armor, it's all informed by the time that I spent figuring this out. Get it done. So whatever you're doing, a big important part of that is just completing it. You know, you have to find whatever it is that compels you, right? And that's not new information to anybody. Like you hear that all the time, but it's true. And if you're hearing that and it's like, uh, it's because you haven't found it yet, right? So you just have to keep searching. And once you find that, that track, that lane that you can lock into, then it's like, you know, I'm doing the kit bashing painting because I really enjoy it. And I put, you know, hundreds of hours into it. Then when it comes time to make my fan film and I got to paint the Mandalorian armor, I already know how to do that because I was doing that on a project that I was having fun with. I go to film it. I know this story needs to make sense because my first films didn't make sense to anybody. So I'm like, engage the audience. And it's all like a process. It's all process. And it's, it's just all about following your passions you always got to be out to the next thing. Like I meet so many people that are like filmmakers. Okay, you're talented, but you know, I'm saying in my head, that's the same film that you were peddling three years ago. You got to just keep moving on to, to the next thing. If I was going to sum all that up in one thing, creative shark, sink, 
swim. Two choices, sink or swim. So if anything I've said is of interest to you, the best way to find me is on YouTube. If you just look on YouTube and search Create Sci-Fi, you'll find my channel. If you wanna check out my older films, then if you go on Amazon Prime, put in Anthony Ferraro, find my films and it'll link you to my other ones. And if you enjoy one of those, leave a review. Same thing on my YouTube channel, please subscribe. And the thing with my YouTube channel, when you go to the main page, there'll be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you wanna get in touch with me, the best way is on my Instagram page, which is also Create Sci-Fi. If you DM me there, Thank you for joining us in Infinite Spaghetti. Bam, wait, do the other elbow bump. Bam, do the double fist. Bam. Thank you for having me. Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com. Right, I make fucking spaceships. I think I can fix the fucking toaster.